Our scripture lesson comes from Philippians 3, 7 through 14. Now hear the word of the Lord. Yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death. If somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead, not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to lay hold of that for which Christ has laid hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have laid hold of it, but one thing I have laid hold of, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal, toward the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. This is the word of God for the people of God. Now I'd like to welcome Reverend Lee Allen, husband of esteemed pianist Reverend Jenny Allen, and retired UMC elder to bring us the message for today. We welcome you this time. Thank you. Well, I have to tell you that it is dangerous to allow a retired preacher who doesn't get to preach very often the opportunity to preach. I will try to keep it with under an hour or so if y'all are okay with that. The letter of, to the Philippians from Paul. I don't know about you, but I have favorite passages in the Bible. Passages that I can read over and over again. Books that I can read over and over again because of what it tells us about our faith. What it tells us about God's love for us. What it tells us about what God promises us. And the book of Philippians is a book like that. It's a great book. There's so much joy in the book, so much great information about how to live out the Christian life. And if you've not read Philippians lately, it's like four chapters long. It's an easy read. I would encourage you during the week just to read it, maybe read it over and over again during the week because there's so many wonderful treasures there. Part of what I appreciate about this particular book in the Bible is where Paul was in his life at that time. He was older he was in prison. He had had all kinds of experiences as a follower of Christ, as an evangelist, as a preacher, as a teacher. And in this book, we hear Paul, even though he's in prison, it's one of the most joyful letters in the Bible that you'll find. But I like thinking about Paul being an old man because I think I've entered that territory. I turned 70 in January, and not long ago I was walking around with my dog in the afternoon, and I looked down and I had two different shoes on. One had laces and one didn't. And so I foolishly posted it on Facebook and said, I have arrived at old age. 
Well, Paul was at the end of his life and his life had certainly been an adventure. He was way past what we might call retirement age. But what I love about Paul was he didn't see his life of ministry as being over. You know, Methodist ministers, other pastors, we reach a point where we either retire by choice or they tell us we need to. And that sometimes it's just the end. We, some pastors see it as the end of their service, that they can just relax and enjoy life, grandkids and such. But really, there's no point in our lives where we stop being followers of Christ. There's no point in our life where we stop seeking God's will for our life about what he wants us to do. And so with Paul, he didn't stop. Even though he was in prison, he didn't stop. He said he would forget what was behind him, all his accomplishments, all the hard times, all the things that might hold him back. And he would still look ahead to the future, to whatever the next adventure was for him. In 1975, I had entered seminary, started reading more and more books. They require that in seminary. And as I was reading, one of the books I really enjoyed was a book by a man named Bruce Larson. And Bruce wrote a book called The Edge of Adventure, talking about our faith journey as Christians. And in that book, what he is actually saying is that there's always that growing edge for us. It doesn't matter if we're 15 or 90 that there's a growing edge, something for God to do in our lives, through our lives, to be the followers of Christ that he wants us to be. So we can make a choice. We make a choice either to be adventurous and try to be who God wants us to be, or we can quit. And there's a big difference in how that affects your life as a Christian. Even how you have it affects your life from day to day. Uh, I'm a Mobile boy. Grew up in Mobile and Selma, but Mobile's home. Went to Forest Hill Methodist. Lynn Alexander and I were in church together. And over those years, I've learned a lot of things about what it means to be adventurous or not be adventurous. But I was very fortunate that I had both my grandmothers here in Mobile. And when we lived in Selma, we would come back for a while every weekend to Mobile or then it was every other week to see the grandparents. And seeing the grandparents, I had no grandfathers, but I had two grandmothers. So totally different from each other. Both had had extreme tragedy in their lives. One grandmother lost a daughter at four and a half or so in a fire in the house, and the daughter died. So my dad had a sister who died at a very early age. And then, her husband, my grandfather, who I never met, died in his early 50s. So she had a really hard life. But the way she responded to that life was to withdraw and to just pretty much stay at home. And she just wasn't very happy. Here's how, well, just an example. I was a hyperactive child. <laughs> David's saying no back there. <laughs> but I was a hyperactive child, and my grandmother, Alan, would not let me sit on the couch with her because I did this. <laughs> but my grandmother, Ruth, was totally different. She had lost a husband to suicide. She was raising three kids of her own. 
She raised those kids and then one of her children got divorced and my grandmother took on the two grandchildren to raise them. Now that's enough to make you sad. That's enough to make you depressed. That's enough to make you want to stay at home. But that was not my grandmother. My grandmother worked at Brooklyn. A lot of our relatives worked at Brooklyn. But my grandmother, both of them worked at Brooklyn. She got two weeks vacation in the summer. And during those two weeks, she had us come to her house. Three grandkids. And she took us places. I'm telling you more information that you need to know. But she, we went on vacation with her. We would get in the car. Of course, of that generation, you had to be in the car by four in the morning. I'm not really sure I understand that, but that's the way it was. And you were in the car. I think it was because they had no air conditioning in the cars. That's how old we are. But I can remember we'd get up early and we'd go places. But what we did was we went to places that were close to relatives' houses because we'd stay with them. She knew how to have a cheap vacation, but we thought it was just like the grandest thing in the world. And when we were in town, she'd take us to the park, municipal park, every day, and we'd have a picnic. She just loved life. My best example of that grandmother was if there was a trip when she was older, my age, when she was older, if there was a trip, a bus trip, of older adults going somewhere, first foot on the bus. I was going through pictures yesterday. One of my favorite pictures was when she took a trip to Hawaii, which she called Hawaii. She went to Hawaii and she came back with a picture of herself and Lawrence Wilk. And he's hugging her and she is smiling from here to here. Both grandmothers had difficulties. Both grandmothers had hard, hard lives. But one chose to keep moving forward. And one chose at 72 to take herself into a nursing home. And then six months later, she was gone. You either choose to be a part of the adventure that God has for you. Or you choose just to stay right where you are and never change and never be any different. I like thinking about Spring Hill Avenue United Methodist Church because it's a part of my history in some ways. The beautiful sanctuary. I remember going to a presentation of Godspell. Do any of y'all remember that when they did Godspell at, at the church there? And how impressed I was with the presentation and the church and the beauty of it. And then once I became a pastor, boy, Spring Hill Avenue was the place to have a wedding because it was so, so beautiful. And I remember doing a wedding there. I love thinking about that there were people that were founding members of Spring Hill Avenue Methodist Church and they were doing something new. They were going on an adventure they had never been on, but they felt like God was calling them to plant a church on Spring Hill Avenue in that location. They were adventurous and you have to admire them for that. I think traditions are important. I think it helps us to connect with previous generations of those who have followed Christ faithfully. Traditions are good. The ways we've done things in the past are good. But God's always leading us to something new. And usually something new means something different, which also means change and change is hard. I, I've pastored a lot of churches and it's funny to me that I can look out of this congregation and I know who's here and who's not here because they have their place where they sit, right? 
I've been in churches where they had their own cushion and blanket where they sat. We knew that was their place. And buddy, if you were a visitor and you sat in that place, you were in deep trouble because they were going to come up and look at you like you are in the wrong place. Go somewhere else. We have traditions. We have the things we do, the things we know, the things we like. We don't like change. But the good news is, if we allow God to lead us into the change that he has for us, there's absolutely nothing like it. It's exciting. It's fun. It's joyful. You see God at work in yourself and you see God at work in others. The goal of a church, the goal of Spring Hill Avenue United Methodist Church is to seek out God's will for this church in this time where we're located. And we don't know exactly what that looks like. But we ask God to lead us and to guide us into whatever, whatever his will is. Now, how do you know the will of God? How do you know what God wants you to do? Jenny and I have had the opportunity to teach lots of studies, Bible studies, book studies. And one of the best studies wasn't even a Methodist study. It was Baptist. It was by a guy named Henry Blackaby. And he said in this book, the book was called Experiencing God. And he said, if you want to know what God's will is, look around you and see where God is at work and you join him in that work. So if you see that God's doing something in your community, if you see that God's doing something in our city, we want to join him in whatever that is. And then when you do, when you join him, when you're a part of that, you're a part of the excitement and the joy and the thrill of doing the things that God has for you to do. When I first got out of seminary, well, it's funny, we had a senior chapel at seminary and I had a friend that he and I sang together and he had gotten a call from his district superintendent and the district superintendent said, uh, you're the pastor of four churches. That kind of happens sometimes when you're a starting preacher. And he had four churches in Louisiana. And then my DS called. He told me I had three churches. And so we stood up in front of our senior chapel and introduced ourselves and said, you're now looking at the pastors of seven churches. Fortunately, that changed for me. It only was two churches. But like my grandmother's, those two churches were so, so different. And you will know these churches. I pastored Criola Methodist, north of Mobile. And I pastored Plateau United Methodist that no longer exists. There's a reason. Criola Methodists, they were open to new ideas. I love doing youth ministry. I'd done a lot of youth ministry in college, so I worked with the youth a lot as a pastor. And I saw a need for young adults to be more active, so I started doing some young adult activities, young couples with young kids. And that church just started to grow. And they were excited. We took... <laughs> took a group of kids to, this was not a mission trip, to Disney World from Criola. And if you know what Criola is like, going to Disney World is a big deal. And while I was there, we were there six years. I, I tell people I started there single and I left married with two kids. Uh, can, you could accomplish a lot in six years. But we saw the church grow. We saw people get excited, more people coming to church, more people taking on leadership, more youth involved in the church, more young adults, because that church was open to the possibility that God had something new for them to do. 
Plateau was a lovely church. But when, by the time I got there, they were down to about 25 on Sunday morning and the same seven on Sunday night. And they had a Wednesday night service, same seven people. And these were the conversations I heard. I remember when our men's club was the best men's club in the city. It wasn't anymore. I remember when our choir loft was full. It wasn't anymore. I remember when we had a great children's ministry. They barely had any kids at all by the time I got there. And I had to think to myself, what's the difference between Creola and Plateau? By the time I'd spent my third year there, Creola closed. Oh no, Plateau closed. Creola's still there. Plateau closed. And it was because even though things were changing around them, all they could do was talk about how it used to be. What we used to have. They didn't go on the next adventure that God had for them. And so eventually they dwindled down to nothing. Change is hard. Change would have been hard for them. I think change was hard for Creola, but, but the ones who chose to see that God still had a future and new things for them to do, they did that. My last church I served was Broadmoor United Methodist Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I was associate minister. I really loved being associate minister because it meant I was not in charge. You know, Mike is going to, if he's a senior pastor the rest of his life, he's always going to be in charge and I'll pray for him. But I was not in charge. What I did when I was there within a few months was I became the pastor of their contemporary worship service. Now, some of you probably would not want to attend that service. Uh, we had guitars and drums and my sermon was on PowerPoint. And, but it was wonderful that that church had been very traditional for years and years. It had been what was called the flagship Methodist church in the Louisiana conference. But that church saw that just doing what they'd always done was not enough, that they had to think outside the box. And so they started doing that and they realized Younger people often like a different kind of music. Blake's going to play a piece at the end of the service. It's one of those kinds of music by Matt Redmond. It's a more contemporary piece. Beautiful song. So the church decided to have the contemporary service. And by the time I left, they had four worship services on Sunday morning. Not contemporary. We had four different worship services. That's how big the church was. But the contemporary service was the best attended of all four services. There was a need for that service and people were open to it and they thought outside the box. Well, as important as it is for churches to be seeking God's will, his purpose, it's important that we as individuals do the same thing. One of the things I love about Paul was he didn't rest on his former accomplishments, nor did he moan, complain, groan about things that had been really hard. He just said, I'm putting those things behind and I'm going to look to the future for what God has for me to do. So that's where we have to be as individuals. What's next? And that can be really exciting. It can also be very scary. I had a poster in my room as a kid. I, I became a Christian when I was 15. And so I was church kid and uh, had religious posters in my room. And one of my po religious posters said, Faith is going to the edge of all the lights you have and taking one more step into the darkness where God's going to have to lead you into that next adventure. It's a whole lot easier to just stay the same. I have to tell you that as an individual, I am not very adventurous. My idea of adventure is six flags. 
I, I don't camp well. I don't, I'm not very adventurous. I could stay at home for long periods of time and be personally happy. But I had a friend uh, in college and then in seminary as well, who he had an interesting name. His name was Arvid. And later he became known as Michael because that was his middle name. But Arvid, we were working in mental health at the time. He said, let's go to the Smoky Mountains and climb up the mountain. No, <laughs> no, come on, it'll be fun. I don't think I want to go. No, you, you'll be great. I'll, I'll help you. So we get there. It is January. <laughs> it's freezing cold. And he's, he's got his backpack. I've got mine. I'm not happy. We're climbing up the hill. I'm in terrible shape, huffing and puffing. And he said, take your backpack off. I said, okay. And he started taking stuff from my backpack and putting it in his backpack so we could get to the top of the mountain, which we did. Our life in Christ is very much like that, like Arvid. Arvid was really a Christ figure in my life because with him helping me, carrying most of the burden, I could get up the mountain. With Christ helping us, we can do more than we can even begin to imagine as individuals or even as a church. Paul says in this same letter in Philippians, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, I want to just tell you a little bit about my being in ministry and what that's been like for me. And if I gave just a short answer, I'd have to say, great. Ministry has been great. I have really loved it. When Jenny and I got married, we'd been, I'd, after three years, we'd been in a church for six years. And I'm an ordained minister like Micah, doing this kind of thing, had my own church. But I felt like God was calling me into youth ministry. And so we got an opportunity to go to Panama City, Florida and do youth ministry there. And after we'd been there for about three years, it felt like God was calling us somewhere else, but we didn't feel like it was in our own conference. Now, I know you probably don't know, know this, but there's politics in the church. Yeah. And so politically for me, it was not a good move for me to say, I feel like I'm being called to Texas to do youth work there. But that's what we felt called to do. And it was great. It was the Woodlands, Texas, it was a great church, had a wonderful time working with youth there. And then we did that for three years, went back to school for a while, came back to Alabama. And then at some point in time, we felt like we needed to be in Jackson, Mississippi. <laughs> So as a Methodist pastor, you're really not supposed to do that. <laughs> it makes you kind of a renegade. And you know, remember, I'm not adventurous, but here I was a renegade pastor going to different conferences. But the great thing was, as all that happened, every one of those places, and finally Baton Rouge, was an adventure that I really believe God was leading me to. And because of that, remember I said, when you're in the middle of God's will, there is peace and happiness and joy. I felt those things. Not that we didn't struggle different times in different places. But listening to God, asking him to lead us and guide us, we got to be in so many different places. And good news, God's not through with us yet. We're here. And we love being here. And we see this church as a place where you are on the edge of an adventure. 
We don't know what it's going to be like exactly when we get back into the church. And we don't know exactly the direction God has for us, but I bet you it's something new. And I bet it's something different. We'll keep some of the old things, do some of the old things that are important to us. But God loves an adventure. <laughs> and he loves to reach out to the community. And he loves for us to be Christ in the community. And I just want to encourage you this morning, as you think about your church, it's great. I mean, it's really great to talk about the Godspell presentation, the great choirs you've had, the great preachers you've had the attendance you had at one time, but we don't really know what's next. And the only way we're going to know is to pray together as a congregation and to pray as individuals that God will lead us and show us. I want to encourage you this week, reread Philippians. Be open to find where God's at work. Join him as an individual in that work. Join him as a follower of Christ in that work. And when you do, I think you'll end up being like Paul, who can say, I can forget what lies behind and move forward to that call of God upon my life in Christ. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray together?